When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ready to make a difference in the lives of fathers and their families? The Show Up Dad podcast empowers the next generation of dads to lead with confidence and love. Your support and our amazing partners help us to create lasting impact. Consider donating 50, 100, or 250 to provide a dad with essential resources. And speaking of incredible partners, let us introduce you to Tallman Equipment. Since 1952, Tallman Equipment has been standing taller than the rest of competition in lineman tools. They provide top quality equipment and solutions for linemen, ensuring safety and efficiency on the job. If you're in need of reliable and durable tools, look no further than Tallman Equipment. Also, don't forget to check out our online shop at theshowupshop.myshopify.com for high quality products that support our cause. From t-shirts and hoodies, stickers, and even children's clothes, we have something for everyone. Not only will we be showing your support for our cause, but you'll also be getting a high quality product that you'll love. To learn more about what we do, visit the showupdadfoundation.org. You can also find Lyman tools at tallmanequipment.com. Thank you for your generosity and let's empower dads and build stronger families. Welcome back to the Show Up Dad podcast, where we delve into the inspiring stories of fathers who excel not only in their professional lives, but also in their roles as devoted family men. Today, we have an exciting episode lined up for you as we welcome Chad Preston to the show. Chad is a man of dedication and resilience. He's married to his wonderful wife, Sherry, for an impressive 25 years. Chad understands the importance of building a strong foundation for a lasting relationship. Together, they have raised three remarkable adult children, which is a testament to their commitment and love. In this special episode, we will have the privilege of exploring Chad's experiences as a lineman. We'll dive into the challenges he's faced and the lessons he has learned and the rewards that come with this demanding profession. From braving extreme weather conditions to maintaining a strong work-life balance, Chad's story will inspire you to preserve in the face of adversity and cherish the moments that truly matter. Moreover, Chad's insights as a dedicated father will undoubtedly touch your heart. He will share his wisdom on raising children, nurturing a loving partnership, and finding harmony between work and family life. So join us as we embark on this captivating journey with Chad Preston, the line worker extraordinary and devoted family man. Welcome to our show, brother. Hi, David. How are you? Good, man. Finally get you on here. (laughs) No kidding. It's been a a little rough, but we, we got her done. Well, I just want to open up, Chad, you just telling us a little bit about your story, man, if you can share your journey as a lineman, how you decided to pursue this profession, if you don't mind, brother. You know, I was a young man at college wasn't for me and and uh, construction and working outside was was really up my alleyway. And I did a little bit of everything in the construction industry as far as building houses, um, mm-hmm. pretty much every aspect of that. and just. I don't know. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't my wasn't my thing. And I had a family friend that was was in line work and they kind of helped point me in the way. And 
the direction that I needed to go to get in the apprenticeship and how to go about that. And, and, uh, really didn't know a hundred percent what I was getting into, but, but I knew the nuts and bolts of it, you know, and when I showed up for my apprenticeship interview, I was completely overdressed trying to, you know, dress to impress and kind of looked at me funny and said, well, you're, you're a little overdressed, but, uh, I guess the rest is all history. Must not have been all bad to be overdressed. That's <laughs> <laughs> funny that you said that. Cause I, 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 when we have interviews at mm-hmm. CalNev JTC, um, you'll see, you know, all these people lined up, right. To get their interview, to get their shot. And, uh, you, everybody will be dressed like they're ready to go to work or whatever, you know what I mean? And, You'll have a couple of guys that stand out and they're in full on suits. Yeah. You know, and I'm looking up, you know, looking at them <laughs> up and down and I'm like, man, you know, you, you here for a court date or what? <laughs> you know what <laughs> <I mean? laughs> and it's just funny. You know what I mean? <clears throat> but uh, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's awesome, man. So, so you, you decided to get into this profession, right? You didn't know what you're getting into, you know, like how was it like starting out? Like, was it like overwhelming at first or what? Like, well, I got, you know, back in 1996, when I got started in the apprenticeship program, mm-hmm. there wasn't, we didn't have climbing schools. Um, okay. You just started on the job and they sent me to the middle of Nebraska on November the 11th of 1996 mm-hmm. to work on a 115 line for Ellie Myers. And, uh, Man foreman asked me, he said, you got your tools? And I produced a handful of hand tools and, I mean, screwdrivers with interchangeable bits. And he's like, well, you don't need that. And he's throwing them out in the cornfield, you know. <laughs> and uh, he said, there's a set of climbing tools over there in the bin of my truck. He said, go grab them. I'm going to have you go up and <laughs> clip them statics. And, I, man, I'd never been up a pole. I had no idea. I tried to put my, like many, put my hooks on backwards he said you're gonna climb me inside of a barrel son you know i i didn't know what was going on and it took a while to get up there but we got her done and over the course of the next few months i figured it out pretty well man that's that's funny how those old guys were huh (laughs) overwhelming to say the least in a whole different world than we live in today Mm -hmm. this kinder gentler society that we're in (laughs) man i i remember um I was working with this guy out of Arizona, seven six nine, and he asked me for some channel locks. I had no idea. I had some, you know, the cheapest tools I could find. You know what I mean from Harbor Freight, yeah, yeah. and I handed him my Chinese made uh, channel locks, and uh, he grabbed them. He looked at them, and he threw them as far as he could. And he's like, "What are those?" And I was like, "Those are my tools, man. What are you doing?" And he's like, "Man, you will show up tomorrow with some American made." channel locks uh 430s you know and he's like oh don't ever show up to the job without american made tools i was like wow okay you know and that was the start of it right <laughs> you know they did those guys old guys didn't mess around for sure <laughs> no yeah no it was a whole different world mm, mm. now it, it was good yeah yeah do you st- see that that's still needed today like that's something that's missing like the 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 hardness yeah absolutely there's got to be a certain amount of hardness um okay otherwise I, I think we're we're selling these kids short when we when we're training them they they just I, you know 
even a good dad's hard on his on his son once in a while when he needs mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, you definitely have that pressure that you need to apply, right? Um, right. I always tell the fathers that I deal with that, you know, if you apply too much pressure in the wrong amounts, you're going to snap them, right? And I, and I use the analogy of a, a branch, okay? You have this, this two-inch branch, you know what I mean? Or, or sapling in the backyard, right? It's about two right. years old, whatever, and it's bent at a 45 degree. It's growing in your backyard, right? What do you do? You got to straighten it out. It's going to grow crooked, right? If you were to go up to that sucker and just like really apply pressure on straighten it out, the chances are you're going to break it. You're going to cause more damage than good, right? Yep. But what you need to do is apply gentle pressure over time so that they will straighten out into the way you need them to go. And that's exactly how I see parenting. That's exactly how I even see with our apprentices. And that's exactly how God the Father deals with us. He doesn't snap us. He doesn't break us. He gives us what we can handle, but he's going to apply pressure when we're being disobedient or not. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. His word promises us that he will never put more on us than we can handle. Mm -hmm. And and he's not going to apply too much pressure, but he's going to apply the pressure needed to get the reaction that he that he deserves and, and, and needs from us. Absolutely. I see it even like with my own children, like we're always you know, we're called to discipline as fathers, right? That's our job. Absolutely. And when we discipline, it's just training. That's all discipline means. We have to train our children. And the time we apply pressure or punishment, right? Because discipline is not punishment. It's training. Okay. Absolutely. The time I have to apply punishment (laughs) is when they don't adhere to the discipline. It's when they fight against the rules when they go against what we're trying to do in the training. Right. And then that's when you got to apply that pressure. And sure. That's when I tell my kids, all life stops right there. And then man, you know, all your devices, all your free time, everything gone, you know, and you're still going to do your discipline. You're still going (laughs) to, you're still going to do it. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's up to you, you know, abide by the pressure or not. You know what I mean? You know, over the years I've, I've broke a lot of horses and I've trained a lot of, uh, Labrador retrievers, and mm-hmm. it's the same concept, you know. Training kids and training, training your animals, you've got to apply enough pressure to get the action or reaction that you are desiring. And as soon as they give it, you have to release that pressure. Mm-hmm. It's a give and take thing. It's not constant pressure all the time. You just got to give them a little bit at a time to get the reaction and the change that you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. You got to apply it and then know when to have, have the discernment to, to pull back on it. You know, absolutely. You're, you're doing it because the Bible clearly states that we have the ability to exasperate our children. That's right. You know, and I I've seen it, you know, I'm guilty of it myself. You know, when I constantly am pouring on pressure and pressure, pressure be, to, <clears throat> to, to yield the result out of my son, my youngest, right. Cause he's a strong little child. And when I'm constantly putting pressure on him to where I just see his little heartbreak, dude. Oh, man, it, it's heartbreaking to see that, you know, because he'll literally just be like, what? what? What What? do you want me to do, dad? You know what I mean? And, oh, man, it's my wife at that point has to step in and, and let me know, you know, because God's giving our wives the ability to have a heart, right, to feel after our children. We don't as Absolutely. men, you know what I mean? Because we're incomplete in that aspect, right? Right. So my wife, as my partner, has to step in and be like, look, you're you're being too 
you're, you're giving them too much pressure. You need to relax, you know, look what you're doing to your kids. And it's my job to be able to see that and see her as a helper to me to be able to respond to her and be like, you know what? You're absolutely right. Let me pull back a little bit. You know, I'm being too harsh, you know? So it all works hand in hand, you know? You might not want to hear it from her at the moment, but you probably need to listen. <laughs> Absolutely. Like I said, he is, God has given our wives that heart, a mother's heart. Absolutely. And something we don't have. <laughs> <You know? laughs> not at all. No, no, for sure. <clears throat> now I wanted to ask you, how do you manage the physical demands and like potential risks associated with being a lineman while also prioritizing your family's well-being? I know that's a big thing right now. You know, it's tough. Mm -hmm. It's it's not an easy. There's no. Uh, there's uh, there's no real answer that that is good for everybody across the board. It, mm -hmm. There's a fine line there, you know, of, of that work and and home and you've got to keep things separate and home at home and work at work but but you know when we're when you're when you're on the job man you've got to keep that that mind there mm -hmm. you got to keep your your head in the ball game all the time because if you're not you know it's your family that's going to pay for that it's not you're going to pay for it physically but they're going to pay for it for the rest of their lives mm -hmm. you know potentially if, you know, something happens to dad or whatever that looks like, um, you, I, I've told guys for a long time, many, many years, you know, if the, the, the reason we have safety rules and we do all those things to keep ourselves safe is not just necessarily only for us. It's, it's for our families too. And if, if, if you're going to break those rules and be, you know, that guy that's just haphazard and, and doing whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it, you mm -hmm. might as well go home and walk in the door and tell your wife and your kids that you don't love them and you don't care anything about them because that's what you're saying without saying the words. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, there's a, a man and I'm sure you remember him, Randy. Uh, uh, I can't even pronounce his name, half Feltler or something like that. Anyhow, he has a video where he says, I felt comfortable, right? And they always show it. And he was a lineman at the utility. He got hurt at the utility where I worked at a long time ago. And uh, he blew off his hand, right? And he goes and talks about how he he took a shortcut. He felt comfortable, okay? Right. Guy went face to ground, you know, on a pad mount transformer. Anyhow, long story short, uh, it cost him, cost him his arm, you know, cost him his, his livelihood, everything, you know what I mean? His wife had to scrub his body to debride all that, that burn and char all the time, just because your body, when you get burnt like that starts constricting and it heals, it needs to heal from the inside out. And when you have that scab over like that, it starts healing from the from the outside in and that's wrong right. so you gotta keep debriding which is scrubbing and, and stuff right. like that and it's he goes on to talk about how it's one of the most horrendous horrible things you can go through right excruciating pain and how he had to wash he had to watch his wife tear up every time she would scrub him you know absolutely and how agonizing it was for him and for her too to be able to see him in that much pain you know and um I say this story because you're absolutely right, Chad. 
when we take shortcuts, we take things for granted at work, right? It's not just us who's going to pay for it. It's our family who we're doing this job for. You, you know, know and- sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you. No, we don't, I mean, we don't, we're not just going to work just for ourselves and for our own manlyhood and our own masculinity. We're going there to provide for those families that we mm-hmm. love and care about, that we have at home that's waiting for us to come home every night. And if we're not, willing to keep ourselves safe for them, then what are we really doing this for? Mm-hmm. Have you ever been in a situation where you actually um, had to call like an all stop or anything like that, where you're like, wait, hold on guys, we need to, we need to rethink this. You know what I mean? I don't want anybody to get hurt or anything like that. I mean, nothing like major seriously bad, but I mean, it's uh-huh. happened a lot of times, you know, on the job, in the middle of a job, if things aren't going the way that we feel like they should be, or we're not, headed in the direction that we need to be sometimes. Yeah. You've got to call the guys down or, or just even if you're the lineman in the air, say, Hey, I'm not comfortable with this. We need to talk this over. Absolutely. And that's one thing that in this day and time, I feel Mm -hmm. guys are afraid to do that. They're afraid of repercussions of stopping the job sometimes. And they don't realize, you know, what, we've got to be our brother's keeper and we've got to be willing to step into that position as a journeyman lineman, not just a journeyman lineman, whether you're working as a foreman, even the apprentices. I mean, if you're not comfortable, say something, mm-hmm. by all means, say something, let's get on the same page because we don't need to be trying to work off of different pages. Absolutely. It's not going to end well. No, it's not. Why do you think they're afraid to speak up? What, in your opinion? Uh goes back to that kinder gentler world we were talking about a while ago that you know um everybody's afraid of of upsetting someone or making somebody mad or mm-hmm. I, there's no room for that not in my opinion in this trade it's mm-hmm. it's i've made the comment many times you know talking to my wife at different times it's sometimes it's literally a matter of life and death you know whether yeah. we realize it or not we we as linemen we've learn to put that in the back of our minds and not look at it that way anymore. But mm-hmm. man, that's got to be in the forefront. We, we are dealing with life and death situations many times on a daily basis. Hmm. That's uh, one thing I've seen. We've been doing a lot of um, one of my, my boss, a good friend of mine, Eugene. That's one thing he's been implementing every Tuesday. You know, we have this big tailboard for all the apprentices when they show up and everything and he gets up and he, we talk and he makes the students stand up and talk and use their outside voice. Right. Right. Um, that's one thing I always try to encourage my apprentices as well to do. And even with my children to do is be able to speak up and use your voice, you know, cause no one can read your mind. Right. You know, and you got to have that confidence to be able to stand up and be like, Hey man, this is what happened. This is what's going on. This is, you know, what we're seeing, you know, even with our children, uh, even down to the baby that I have, you know, my little son, you know, I want him to be able to speak up if something is happening at his school that we are not aware of, you know? Absolutely. You know, that one of the things that I did probably 10 or 12 years ago in our safety meetings, I implemented at the end of every safety meeting, I would have the apprentices go around the room and each apprentice had to come up with um, just a little safety topic, you know, um, whether it was, and just say a few words, you know, mm-hmm. wear your seat belts, check the butt of your poles before you, before you start up the pole, 
you know, whatever it was, check your adjacent poles, all the things that we tend to do in the subconscious as a lineman, but they're things that we need to, to think about mentally and outwardly. Um, because I've, you know, I've, I've also said for many, many years, it's as much as a journeyman line, lineman, it's as much our job to teach these apprentices as it is to build a job. And mm-hmm. if we're not teaching them these things and we're not teaching them audibly to check these things to keep themselves safe so they do go home at night the same way they showed up in the morning, we're failing. And mm-hmm. I've seen a big failure over the last almost 30 years in this trade of that teaching mentality. We were taught when I went through the apprenticeship by a lot harder group of linemen and, and the lessons you learned sometimes hurt physically yeah. hurt, you know, they might wrap your knuckles for touching the wrong thing with a crescent wrench or whatever that was. Yeah. <laughs> but, but um, you know what? It made us a, a better lineman for it. We mm-hmm. learned. I'm not going to do that again because that stinking hurt. <laughs> it's yeah. just that simple. And but going back to that, you know, just getting them, like you said, to think and use their voice, their audible voice to mm-hmm. voice those things. You know, maybe hopefully one day down the road, those same apprentices will be on the job as a journeyman lineman and say, hey, kid, I need you to go check that next pole down. Mm-hmm. Check that arm. Those braces look a little funny. That kid may not look down there or thought about looking down there to check it out. But that lineman, by speaking up, the way he was taught to do as an apprentice, mm-hmm. just taught that kid something, you know, and it might save them from having an accident, too, mm-hmm. on, for whatever it is. So, and it's all it's all training, too, Chad, because you figure if you tell them to go do something and they go do it right. And they come back and they report to you. Now you just taught that kid two things. You taught him responsibility and you taught him to be able that you need to be able to count on him. Right. You know, trust, right. Trust is a big deal. You know, um, I had a discussion the other day with another lineman. We discussed about trust, right. And how trust is, is earned in drops and lost in buckets. Right. Absolutely. And With that being said, you can substitute trust with truth. So if you're truthful and you're telling the truth, if you're, if you're truthful enough to say, Hey man, I don't, I've never done this before. You know what I mean? Versus, Oh, I'm a journeyman lineman. I'll wing it. I'll figure it out. You know what I'm saying? You're going to start building that trust up with your crew. You're going to start building that trust up with the people around you, you know, and it's the same thing even with our children, right? Absolutely. You know? Our children are going to come to us if they trust us with these issues. If they don't trust you, they're not going to come to you. You're right. hundred percent. You know, so. But the, the same goes, our children have got to be able to trust us too and know that when we tell them something, that that's the way it's going to be. Yes. You know, and, and that goes back to that same um, thing we were talking about earlier, the discipline thing. You know, mm-hmm. we've got to, as a parent, just like as a lineman with our apprentices, as a parent with our children, we've got to be able to, when we tell them something, they have to know that dad means it. Yeah. If you tell them something and they don't do it and you don't do anything about it, you've shot yourself in the foot. You have no credibility mm. and you've got to, you've got to stand behind your words, you know, yes. with our children. 
more than anything. Absolutely. We got to have that consistency. That's the big key, you know, and when we're gone and mama needs to fill into that, that role as disciplinary, because discipline doesn't stop when the father leaves. Yes, it is our job to, to create the disciplines and carry out the disciplines. But when daddy's gone, our wives need to pull up into that role and carry out that. It can't, it, it cannot be laxed. It's got to be yeah. consistent throughout, you know? And I think that's, that right there is undermining everything we are trying to do. You know, whether they're doing it on purpose or not, most, most women aren't doing it on purpose. They just, you know, are not built that way. Right. Per se. And that's why they have their husbands, but uh, it needs to be consistent across the board. Sherry and I've talked about that so many times, you know, mm-hmm. what it, I can't tell them one thing and, and then be gone and, and you have a whole different set of rules or whatever, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. that's a hard part too of, of, of this trade is, and being gone and, and work it on the road and whatever, you know, uh, mama, and uh, there's, there's nothing more important than you and mama being on the same page. Mm-hmm. You've got to be on the same page together on one accord. Uh, it, or those children will, will never, they won't respect you. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're there, they won't respect her. Mm. And, and, and you just, you both lose credibility. If you're not on the same page, you both lose credibility. And any major decision that we ever had to go through with our kids, you know, that it was a matter of, of much discussion and prayer. We had to mm-hmm. make sure that we were in agreement and on one accord because yeah, we did definitely. not want, you know, that for our kids. Mm-hmm. No, you definitely got to show that united front, you know, because kids are master manipulators. Whether they know they're doing it or not, you know what I mean? They, they'll, they'll go and manipulate and it's kind of funny to see, you know, and you just got to have the wisdom to know, Hey man, we got to be consistent. And dad said, no, guess what? Mama's going to carry it out too. Now. And, you know, I've seen so many guys come to me and, and just in discussion, you know, mm-hmm. um, man, I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. We, we don't agree on parenting. We don't agree on this. I don't know what to do. And, and you got to pray together, pray mm-hmm. about it, put it in God's hands and let him tell you what, what he wants you to do about mm-hmm. it. Tell, let him show you what his plan is for you to parent your children. Mm-hmm. And, and so many times I, you know, I, I think as, as men, we want to step into that role and be, be in charge and, and, and this is my way and this is how it's going to be. But yeah, you know, we've got a father too, and he, he he'll scold us too <laughs> if we've got it wrong. Absolutely. You know, and it's crazy that you said that because you're right. You know, that's a dictator house, you know, and that's, that's, that's not good either. No. You know, when you're my way or the highway, that's, that's, that's not okay either. You know, um, it is our job to lay down the disciplines. Um, one of the things that both my wife and I do is we sat down together, right. And we came up with what disciplines we could have for our children. Okay. Came up with a big old list and they're like, okay, so we have all these disciplines they can do. Next thing we need to do is what happens when they disobey the discipline? What are we going to do? You know? And then we have a list of rules, 
you know, they're going to get a discipline if they go against this rule, you know, and it's going to, it's going to be different, you know, between household to household, but we have our own set, but at least the kids can see them. And both my wife can agree that way there is consistency because I mean, I don't know about you. My, I got so much stuff going on, dude. My, my short-term memories like it, you know, it's, it's not existing. You know what I mean? I'll forget that I said something, you know, right. There's too many things going on, but when you have something written down and it's before you day and night, you're mm-hmm. going to be consistent with that. Absolutely. Know? So men and women, if you're listening right now, um, get a list of rules, get with your wife, like Chad said, and create some of those disciplines, create some of those household rules, you know, write them down together. And then that way your kids can't say, well, I didn't know, you know, and implement it that way and see how that works in your guys's, uh, in your guys's training of your children and raising your children, you know, you know, we have to lay out the expectation or they won't know if we don't give them our expectations, there's no way they're, they're chasing an unreachable bar. They can't, mm-hmm. they'll never get there. And we've got to be up front and lay it out for them mm-hmm. in order for them to succeed. We have to help them become successful as children, mm-hmm. which helps us to become more successful as parents. Mm-hmm. Well, how many times have you ever had a boss where he never laid down expectations? Right. kind of let you run rampant, right? Or, or never gave anybody any credit or anything and, and just just whatever, you know what I mean? You do what you do, boo type of mentality, right? <laughs> right. Those bosses suck. And it's not good morale at all. You know, yeah. now imagine if we did the same thing in our own household, right? Where everybody just runs amok and does whatever they want to do. It's going to be chaotic. It's not going to be, absolutely. it's, it's not going to be functional, you know, no. not <laughs> you at know? all. No, so, not at all. What are some of the most challenging situations that you've encountered during your career? You know, I think for me, mm-hmm. probably the biggest challenge has been those times when I was working on the road and away from home mm-hmm. for days, weeks at a time, you know, and and trying to maintain uh, that family structure, maintain that 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 um sense of of dad's still a part of this family you know i when you're gone for weeks at a time you come home and and things change around home and i I remember more times than one my my wife looking at me saying what are you doing i said well i you know it's how we've always done it she said we don't do it like that anymore. <laughs> Those things are tough, you know, yeah. and, and it's hard to be that that absent dad and and walk back into your own home. But it really doesn't feel like yours anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, that those are that was probably the biggest challenge for me. And and just just leaving to for those times, you know, knowing I was going to be gone and and knowing how much I was going to miss my family, you know pulling out of the driveway and and I can remember times pulling out of the driveway just to be blunt and honest about it just bawling my eyes out because I missed my family already and I'm I'm right in front of my house still mm-hmm. you know uh that was probably the hardest thing for me through the whole thing mm-hmm. um through my whole career um uh, I always enjoyed you know the work being there and in the moment yeah. But it's that time 
what are you doing with your time after work? Mm-hmm. You know, when you're gone, you're working on the road. That was another struggle. You know, how do you, cause I wasn't part of the party crowd. Yeah. So I didn't fit into that, to that game. Um, I wasn't a drinker. I wasn't a partier. And, you know, for me, that, that's one of those struggles. If I was going to be in an area for any time at all, I'd try to find a church that had a Wednesday night service or something that I could get that pick me up in the middle of the week, you know, go, go get a little bit of God's word, you know, to help me get through that week or whatever it was. If I was gone on the weekends, I would absolutely try to find a church to attend and, and get in that service and, and stay grounded. But, you know, spending that time in the motel, you know, productively, not on Facebook, not on social media, of course, you know, yeah, that hasn't been around for my whole career, but, but getting in God's word and spending that time with the Lord and, and, and in prayer, that was, was huge for me because it was that, it was that grounding that I needed to keep me and my focus on what it needed to be on and, and, you know, my family and, the 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 nightly calls trying to make it a point to talk to them all you know every night or yeah at whatever time of day it was that worked out at that particular moment but um Mm -hmm. you know i think those were the biggest struggles for me was just maintaining the family Mm -hmm. while i was absent Mm -hmm. you know and that 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 role as an absent dad and a um a married but single mother is is those are tough roles and they're yeah. tough rules to maintain that strength in your marriage throughout those times. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, if it hadn't been for God, I don't know, I don't know how we would have done it. Man, um, I, I agree with you, brother, because I remember I had my wife tell me one time, she's like, I feel like I'm dating you. You know, because <laughs> yeah. that's how it is. You know, I like the way it you is. put it, you know, you're married, but dating, you know, and um it, it, it's 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 crazy i'm married but single is what you said right and uh it's absolutely true because they gotta they gotta carry the whole weight while we're gone and, and that's uh, not easy no it's not because their disciplinarian's not there <laughs> and those <laughs> kids will turn into heathens like we were talking about earlier whether they mean to or not they will and and they're going to try you and they're going to test you and and man i don't know if there's any moms out there but God bless you. <laughs> we love you because you guys have an un a job that I don't I don't know how you do it. I don't yeah. know how they do it. Yeah, it's uh it's definitely super hard, you know, and as husbands a part of our job is to protect our families, right? And part of that protection is being able to discern when our wives need a break. Right? Absolutely. Um for me, I never had a, a a goal, right? When I was on the road, it was just, I'm going to get through this job. I'm going to get through the next job. I'm going to get through the next job. I'll right. be home soon. I'll be home soon, right? There was never an end game. And that's what my wife wanted. She wanted to know, okay, well, you're going to be gone for six months and then that's it. Then you'll be home for six or whatever, right? For me, it was like, no, I'm going to go do this or I'm going to go do this or whatever, you know what I mean? Where, where I could work, you know? Right. Um. So I never had a clear plan for her, and that caused a lot of stress for my wife. You know, even when I hired on the utility, I was never home. I right. Mean, I'd sleep in my bed, but 
man, at the utility, you're lowest on the totem pole because you're the new hire. And guess what? You're getting all the crappy shifts. You're getting all the, all the calls that no one wants, you know, right? (laughs) you know what I mean? And if you're anything like me, you want to do a good job and you'll take those calls because you don't want to be that guy. Right. Instead of saying, nah, not today. You know what I mean? Or whatever, you know, you're, you're still trying to prove yourself, especially being a contractor in a utility utility world you know what i mean you're like oh man i gotta show i gotta show these guys you know (laughs) so yeah i I spent almost three years at a utility company myself and and uh was in a service truck running a service in a small rural community and there was only two of us so he -hmm. had he had called the first 15 days of the month and i had it the second 15 well what nobody failed to tell or what everybody failed to tell me when they hired me was he also had six weeks of vacation. If you take off on Friday, that takes you off call for the weekend. And he just happened to go to a lot of cattle sales on Fridays. So hmm. guess who got to carry a lot of that load? And and it just it got to the point for us that our oldest daughter was young at the time. And mm-hmm. and that was in the days of the pager. And my pager would go off. And before I would ever even call to see what was going on, she would be crying because she knew daddy was leaving again. And, you know, I that kind of goes back to that exasperating your children. And if it's that hard on your children, you better be thinking about what you're doing yeah. and find another way, figure out, figure it out because your children need you. You know, there's a statistic out there that talks about salvation and the importance of the the father and the husband in the home. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's like two and a half percent. Um, if the child is the first to come to salvation that the family will be saved there's a two and a half percent chance and if if it's the mother it's like 17 but but fellas it's when the man is the first to come to salvation there's a 93 percent chance that the family will follow in his footsteps Mm -hmm. and when you when you think about the importance that fact the importance of the father in the home Mm -hmm. goes way beyond just that your your importance is above and beyond in your children's lives and your Mm -hmm. wife's life more than you'll ever know or understand. They see things that, that you're doing and they're watching every move that you make. And we don't realize how important we really are to that family Mm -hmm. unit. You know, the, the, the family being created by God, the institution Mm -hmm. of the family being created by God and, and how important we are in that institution but he didn't set us up as the head of the household as a fluke. He set us up for that because that's how important we are. He set us up as the head of the household and the leader of the family, the spiritual leader of our families, because he knew how important we were to our Mm -hmm. families and the the role that we played in them. Amen. No, absolutely. Our, our, Our influence knows no bound with our family. You know, um, not at all. I have a uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Pastor Mike Miguel. Um, he was a mentor to me when I worked. Uh, we both were linemen, and and then I was a foreman. Then he became a foreman, and you know he became a GF, and now he owns his own line company, right? And he's the sole mm-hmm. provider for a, a major utility. Anyhow, long story short, um, Pastor Mike. We were doing a Bible study. I used to go to his house uh, every Tuesday, right? 
uh, while I was gone. Cause like you, I needed to break up the week. I didn't drink or anything like that. And I was like, man, if I'm by myself in this hotel room, you know what I mean? Uh, probably not going to be good, you know? So I was always yeah. running, hiking, everything. Right. And doing all kinds of stuff, working out. And uh, anyhow, so Tuesday broke up the week by going to this guy's house for a Bible study. And um, I remember sitting there and it was already kind of cold. And mm-hmm. he comes in out of nowhere, doesn't say hi or nothing. We're all sitting around the table. We're ready for it to start. And he opens up the sliding door in the back, back, back room, right? In the kitchen. And uh, all the cold air rushes in immediately, totally changes the atmosphere in his house. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, what are you doing, dog? It's cold. <laughs> And then he's like, oh, okay. And he closes it again. He's like, what did I just do? And I was like, oh, you just heated up the neighborhood. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's cold. <laughs> he's like, yeah, but what else did I do? I was like, I don't know. I was, he's trying to get it out of me, right? I was like, I don't know. Change the atmosphere? He's like, exactly. He's like, that's how much influence we have in our families. As fathers, we have the ability to change the atmosphere of our homes. And I was Absolutely. Like, wow. You know, and that was such a great uh, analogy for me to see, you know. Right. It's, you know, I, we just. And it, and and you can talk about it all day long, but until until you are absent from that home for a given amount of time, mm-hmm. you're really not going to realize fully how important you are until you return back to that home. Mm-hmm. When you're when your children greet you at the door and 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 they you're all they want. You, they don't want anything else because daddy's home. You don't realize until you walk in that door for the first time, how important you really are, mm-hmm. you know? And, yeah. and mama needed you just as much as those children do, but she's going to wait her turn. Mm-hmm. But don't forget mama because she's just in, as important as your children. Yes. She's actually probably more important. My father-in-law was a pastor for 42 years we sat under his ministry the first 23 years of our marriage and he mm-hmm. retired, but um, he used to, one of the things that he always used to teach in marital counseling before he would marry anybody was the, one of the big bullet points in his counseling was the most important thing as a husband or a wife that you can do for your children mm-hmm. is to love your spouse. Mm. That's the most important thing that we can do for our children, because if they're not seeing it between mom and dad, how are we teaching them to love when they become adults? We're not we're not doing our job by teaching them the right way to love and how to be that loving spouse, parent, mother, father, whatever role it is that you're in at that given moment. Um be it who you're with, we've we've gotta we gotta remember our wives, you know, that that's mm-hmm. they're the they're the most important thing. Short of my relationship with God, my wife is the most important relationship I have. Mm-hmm. And it has to be that way. Because if my kids are are, are more important than my wife, mm-hmm. it's just not gonna work. Or I'm gonna have a dysfunctional marriage. Hmm. But if my wife and I's marriage is functional and it's where it ought to be, then our our relationship with our children is also going to be on the the right level playing field where it should be. Hmm. 
No, I agree with you. Um, we're talking about wives and, you know, we're talking about fathers and husbands and how important our role is. You know, I was talking with someone the other day and he came to me and he talked about how he didn't come to the Lord until he saw his wife. Like she never heckled him. She never uh, undermined his authority, even when he was wrong. Right. Right. She questioned it, of course, because, you know, whenever you're going against God's will, of course, you know, we we even said even in our ministry, you know what I mean? If there's if there's any type of abuse that's taking place or anything like that, no, you need to say something, you know, right. It's not God's will. But um, there's a scripture that says that Peter talks about, says the wives likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without word may be won by the conduct of their wives. It's that conduct that gives evidence of the working of the gospel in the life of a believer. Right. So because of her being obedient, because of her being the good wife, even though she didn't agree with this guy, even though um, certain things he was doing wasn't for the best interest of the family. But through her chaste conduct, she was able to win him over to Christ. And that's what he said. He's like, I know without a doubt that there is a God because right. there's no there's no way that this woman who is is a godly woman would have put up with all the stuff I was doing. Right. And, and you know, because of her conduct, he was able to receive. Yeah. Re, you know, receive Jesus as Lord and right. Savior. And now their whole family has received Jesus, you know? Absolutely. So what I'm getting at is our wives have an important role. Right? Absolutely. Within the family dynamic. It's not just the fathers, it's our wives as well. And, and no point in time am I telling wives or anybody, uh, any women listening here that you're supposed to be subservient and, 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 you know, if you're going through abuse or anything like that, that you just got to take it. No, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that you have to be your husband's cheerleader, right? Um, when me and my wife were having marriage problems and stuff like that, one of the the marriage counselors, she's a Christian uh, counselor, she told my wife, she's like, you know, how are you speaking to your husband? You know, my wife was like, oh, I did this, blah, 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 blah. And the lady's like, okay, well, if you expect, if, if you talk to him like a a-hole, expect to get the a-hole. Yep. If you want him to act like the king and, and and the the leader of your home, you need to start speaking to him that way, right? And man, that made a world of difference. You know, it made yeah. a world of difference. You know, we don't realize how influential our own actions are sometimes in 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 those relationships, be it mm-hmm. with your children, your or your spouse, your wife, whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. Man, if we're not, I. I went through some without going into great depth and detail. I went through a time last year where the Lord was just drawing me near. And uh, one of the things was over the last 25 years, I prayed and prayed to, for God to change this or that about my wife. And, and um, man, I, he said, you know, you you asked me to change this because you can't change her. He said, why are you wanting to change the woman that I created perfect for you? You never asked me what you needed to do to change yourself. Wow. And, and man, I mean, just broke me. And and over the next few months after that, he just began to show me my prayer that was always every day was show me 
what you want me to see. Mm. What you, you know, show me my wife through your eyes and show me how you want me to love her. Mm. And I'm telling you, I went through a time where I washed more dishes and, and did more loads of laundry than I'd done in our whole marriage in the, in a matter of span of just a handful of months. Mm -hmm. But I saw a total change in my wife because she saw me loving her the way she needed to be loved. Mm -hmm. And, and it was so, it was so beautiful to watch that transformation happen. And it was such a simple thing. I, I needed to change me. I didn't think so. Yeah. You know, we get in that mindset that we're good or we're, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm, I'm providing for my family, you know, and I'm doing the things I'm supposed to be doing. I'm going to church and I'm, but what, what are we doing as men mm -hmm. to love and take care of our wives and to, to, to provide for them their needs, no matter what that need is, you know, there's so many things out there that, that um, we, there's so many different love languages out there that we don't, we don't all need the same we don't all have the same love language and, and yeah. your wife's needs are not the same as your needs. Your needs are not going to be the same as her needs. And they're not going to be the same at the same time, most of the time, mm -hmm. but we've got to learn how to read our wives and, and, and look into them beyond the surface of what, what they are and what they need to get the fullness out of that relationship that we can get. That's funny that you said that Chad, because that was one of my biggest issues. Like, within our marriage is I I knew what I liked, like what my love language was like, I, I liked acts of service. Mm -hmm. So for me, her showing me love was her cleaning the house, her doing stuff for me, her doing the laundry, her cooking to me, that showed that she loved me. Right. Right. So I would do the same thing because that's how I received love. I made the mistake of thinking that's how, that's how she received love. Right. So it caused this big old rift in our marriage because here I am thinking, man, I'm going to show my wife I love her. I'm going to do this. I'm going to wash the dishes. I'm going to clean. I'm going to vacuum all this stuff. And that was not her love language. So I was spinning my wheels, dude. Spinning your wheels and, and making her feel like she wasn't <laughs> yeah. doing the things she was supposed to be doing. Exactly. She took an offense to it. And she's like, man, this guy thinks his house is dirty. I must not be doing enough for him. You know what I mean? It wasn't that at all. You know what I mean? And it wasn't until we got some wisdom and understanding that sure. I was like, okay, that's not her love language. I need to start <laughs> figuring this stuff out. You know what I mean? Because here I am getting frustrated thinking I'm showing her I love her by doing all this stuff. And that's not how she receives love. You right. know what I mean? Right. And I I think that's will that will help out a lot of uh, our listeners on here. You know, if you're really interested in cultivating your marriage and and sewing into your marriage, you know, I would suggest that book, the the five love languages. That's a great book, you know, and that really helped us out, you know, tremendously as far as that goes. You know, sure, you know, and 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 our wives. I, you know, being married for 25 years, my wife is not the same woman that I married 25 years ago. Nor should she learn. should be. <laughs> What's right? that? And nor should she should be, right? <laughs> right. Right. And and we have to learn. We have to get to know our spouse on a daily basis sometimes. We all change. We're not the same men that we were when we got married. No. And 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 our wives have got to learn us in the same way. Um, and that there's the difference between men and women is so huge, vast, and 
far apart in so many, so many cases that, that we just, we get lost in that. Why don't they think like me mentality? Why, you know, she used to love it when I did this. Why, why doesn't she like it now? Mm. And, you know, we all change. We all evolve over time and our needs and our love languages change. You yeah. know, it's not a marriage and family is not always an easy thing, but mm. uh, it's definitely not a passive action to mm. be married. It You've got to be very uh, aggressive as far as learning remembering and 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 figuring your spouse out mm-hmm. because just like you know we see in the trade everything's changing and it changes at a rapid pace sometimes and yeah. and uh our families and our marriages are the same way and that being being absent from the home working on the road makes that even tougher mm-hmm now, what do you say, Chad, to the guy who's actually, you know, working on the road? He has to, right? Because there's there may not be any union work near him or whatever. So he's got to sure. travel for work. What do you say to him? Like, what 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 would be some advice for that guy who's listening right now? Like, what would you suggest he needs to do as far as uh, being a better, more present uh, father and husband in his family's life? You know, one of the things for me that I always tried to do was mm-hmm. uh, if I had to work out of town and had to had to be on the road, I always tried to find a job that was within driving distance where I could come home, at least on the weekends. Okay. Try to try to be there close where you can be home. Don't ever fail to make that phone call at night. Don't let don't let your wife go the evening without hearing from you and and, and make her wonder, you know, uh, uh idle mind tends to wander and where's she going to think that you're at? What's she going to think you're doing? You know, yeah. call her, love on her, let make sure she knows that you're thinking about her. Tell her what you're doing. Don't mm-hmm. hide things from her. Tell her what you're doing. Tell her where you're going. Tell her who you're with, where you're going to be, when you're going to be back, you know, and, and it's, it's not a matter of, of she doesn't trust you, it's that wandering mind thing, you yes. know what, and and that can create its own set of problems when mm-hmm. when we leave the mind to wander. Um, mm-hmm. You know, spend the time. It's not like you, you're not telling her that these things because you because she doesn't trust you. You're telling her these things and where you're going and who you're with and what you're going to do so that she does trust you so that she does know where you're at. You know, I, I like to know where my wife's at. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and I think it's only fair, you know, it's not because she's my, a possession of mine, but because I love her and I care about her and I care about her well being. Like that. We have to, you know, uh, for me, like I said earlier, when we were talking earlier, I, for me, a big thing was was finding that that church where I were, wherever I was at to get that midweek pickup. Yeah. And and, you know, in, in in our industry, in our trade, that's not the cool thing to do most of the time. And it's not 
not uh, the popular thing to do, and you're probably not going to get a lot of the guys on your crew to go with you. But you know what? I don't need their approval to live the life that God's called me to live. I don't need someone to tell me I'm cool or I'm not based on what I choose to do in my own time. I need the only approval I need is from my heavenly father and from my family. Mm-hmm. As long as my family and my heavenly father is happy with me, that's all that matters in this life. Mm-hmm. And I being think cool, being cool is overrated. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think too, man, like a true, when, you know, when you're a true leader, you don't need to follow the it crowd. Right. Right. You, you, you stand on your own two feet. Right. And absolutely. I try to teach my kids that as well. You know, you don't need to go with the crowd. You know what I mean? And um, I think that's something that's important that a father needs to, to, to teach his children. Right. And lead by example as well, like you are doing right. Um, I did the same thing. I didn't, I didn't go out drinking, you know, um, not because I couldn't, but just because I chose to. I chose not to be drinking because everything in my life prior to all this, uh, everything bad in life that I had experienced had to deal with me drinking. You know, I didn't know how to control myself. (laughs) Right. You know, and uh, so I made that conscious decision to to not drink. I haven't drank in in 17 years. Yeah, but uh, hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. That's a whole story in itself. But uh, can you share some uh, experiences or moments that you had as a father and how they impacted your perspective on fatherhood, Chad, if you don't mind? You know, uh, our oldest daughter's 23, mm-hmm. and uh, we have a 19-year-old son in college, and uh, our our baby is 18. She's a senior in high school this year. And so, man, I, I could go back way 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 back but you know the things that we do and the things that we allow our kids to do with us and and the things that we do I, when our oldest was was really small we were we'd been in town I, her and I's big thing I was a huge John Wayne fan and and Sunday afternoons when we get home from church mm-hmm. mom usually went and took a nap and me and sis would sit on the couch and watch John Wayne. And she loved John Wayne as much as I did, even as a little bitty girl. We were coming home from town one day and the semi cut us off. And I said, gum, that makes me mad. And she said, get your gun, daddy. I said, what? She said, get your gun, daddy. I said, what do you mean? She said, it's what John Wayne would do. And my <laughs> wife looked at me and she said, no more John Wayne for her. <laughs> You know, just there's all kinds of things that we see that that we experience that throughout raising our children and in and and our families growing that that uh, mold and make our families what they are. But, uh, you know, we went through after my father in law retired, we went through a time of about a year and a half where we didn't have a home church and we were searching. We things just didn't work out, you know, where we were at. And sometimes when a pastor retires, they, the family just needs to move on because it's not their church anymore. And yeah, it's just better sometimes to do so. And, and we spent, I said, better part of a year and a half searching 
And it wasn't till just recently I, I I realized how much of an impact I had on my family through that time because it, we got to a point where the family was just kind of giving up. You know, they didn't know, not that they were giving up on God, but they didn't know where to go or what we were doing, you know. And I, my oldest daughter, crying with tears in her eyes to me one day came to me. She said, I just want to thank you for being that rock and that strong that strong one that stayed in there and continued to get up week after week and say, come on, we're going, we're going yeah. somewhere. We're going to go try somewhere till we find home. We're going somewhere. And, you know, like I said, we just, that's how influential we are as fathers. She said, you know, our family wouldn't be back together in church today. She said, I don't think if it hadn't been for you and being strong and staying strong through that. So, I mean, I just, man, stay strong for your family, stay strong, in your yeah. in your beliefs and your and your uh whatever your family is so important whatever you're you're doing to to keep your family going in those directions man just be that strong that anchor that rock that that they need mm, people man. moving in that right direction yes 100% and i agree with you be the leader mm. And that's what we need these days as a leader. We need men to stand up into their roles to lead their families, you know, and right. to lead them right. Um, we need that more than ever. Our country needs it. Sure. You know? There's something that I said at the Lyman's Rodeo that really caught a lot of attention with a lot of, of the hands that are walking around is we're the backbone of America. We need to start being the backbone for our families. Absolutely. You know. But uh, with that being said, Chad, our time is done now, brother. How can someone get a hold of you and, and reach out to you if they have any questions or anything of like that? I, I want to give you the opportunity to share that if you if you will. Yeah, man, I'm on I'm on Facebook. Um, I not big on any other real forms of social media. Um, obviously, I'm on Messenger mm -hmm. through Facebook, but uh, man, I my phone is always open to help whoever, whenever. Um, Phone number 660-525-7959. If you're in West Central Missouri, anywhere around Clinton, Missouri, um, man, I'd love to sit down and have a cup of coffee with you. Whatever it is, if you're in the area and you're in need, give me a holler. Um, I'm always there for you. We've got an awesome growing church here in, in Clinton, Missouri called Life Ministries. We love to love on people and I said, if you're in town on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning, come join us and we'd love to have you. Well, right on, Chad. Thank you so much for coming on here and taking your time to uh, to bring hope to our listeners. That's what we're called to do through this show, um, to to really share God's love you know, to Absolutely. all the hands out there that are putting their lives on the line to create a, a better life for their families. You know? Yep. So thank you. We appreciate you, brother. We'll be talking soon. Thanks, David.